You guys, welcome to episode 38 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives into well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. I am your host, Troy McGeady, and I am recording an episode alone today. It's just me and you, baby. <laughs> I haven't recorded an episode by myself in a few weeks, and it just felt like the right time. Sometimes I seriously like to just sit and talk to myself for an hour out loud. Like, I know all my neighbors probably think I'm fucking insane, but it just, I don't know, there's just something about it. It's like a weird, like, free therapy session where, like, you just feel better about yourself. I'm telling you, you should try it. Even if you don't record a podcast, you should just sit in a room and, like, ramble your thoughts for an entire hour by yourself. I swear to God, afterwards, no matter what you talked about, you just feel, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I had a really great conversation. Maybe that's just because I'm a narcissist. I'm, I'm very much a Sheena Shea. By the way, I just want to let you know that I'm like, a, I'm on, this is off topic and we'll get to the, we'll get to the subject at hand here very shortly. Um, but I'm on this like crazy Vanderpump journey right now because I'm restarting the season. I'm restarting the whole series. Right now I'm on season three and, um, you know, I'm like coming down from season two. It's really, it just like, Season two is such an emotional fucking journey. And like, I've only watched it the whole way through, like maybe twice. Uh, so I've never watched Vanderpump Rules the whole way through from the very beginning to the very end since I started it when it, you know, when it aired for the first time. So this has been really fun. And I realized I posted this in our emotionally broken psychos Facebook group, which by the way, Molly and the psychos.com. If you don't know, um, I posted this in the group, but like, I seriously, it took me years to realize that I just fucking stan Sheena Shea. Like, I've never witnessed a more, like, just emotionally vulnerable, but like, not vulnerable at the same time. Like, just a, a literal shell of a human person. Like, she's just, I wouldn't be surprised if you like cut Sheena open and, and sparks just started flying everywhere. Like, if she really was a Westworld robot, everything would make sense everything would come together if Sheena legitimately was a robot created by Shay when they were still in good graces like I seriously feel like she's just she's a robot like she's not a human person and I relate to that so it just you know I'm I'm really 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 like in my world right now Vanderpump season three is the most important thing happening and it's the only thing I'm thinking about and it's the only thing on my mind but I put that aside for you and I did some research on a couple that I felt like would be interesting to talk about I've kind of dabbled in talking about um one of these people in other episodes uh we're going to be talking today about Katy Perry and Russell Brand and I I have a lot of interesting thoughts <laughs> oh my god I have very interesting thoughts. No, I have a lot of uh, interesting theories about Katy Perry, and I've run them by you before. And I, I'm pretty sure in the Madonna episode, I talked about it a little bit. And then in the uh, the episode that I recorded with Diana Metzger about Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal, which if you haven't heard that one, it's worth going back and listening to. Even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, I swear to God, I feel like people with that episode think that they have to like Taylor to listen to it. And I don't like Taylor Swift. So it's like actually very refreshing to, to listen to me and Diana, like meet in the middle and have this like, <laughs> this like meeting of the minds. Um, but in that episode, I talked a lot about, uh, about 
my theories on Katy Perry as a pop star, just sort of generally, but I'd like to get into it a little bit deeper. And then Russell Brand is just, I don't know. I have no problem with Russell Brand. I think that he's a really interesting person. I think he's really intelligent. Um, I actually would like to read his books. I feel like I would enjoy them on audiobook. I don't mind him. I used to find him really irritating when he first was introduced to us. But in the mean, you know, in the meantime, since then, I've like really grown to like him as a person. I appreciate his outlook on life. And I don't know. He's just interesting to me. He had a crazy fucked up childhood. Katy Perry had a real weird, crazy fucked up childhood. And they just, I don't know, this is an interesting couple. They were a power couple for a very short period of time. And I am excited to talk about them. The research was fun. I went back and watched some old Katy Perry music videos in her prime and her heyday when she was still, you know, untouchable. When there was like that that long period of time when we couldn't imagine a world where Katy Perry wasn't releasing just fucking hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. And we all wondered, like, what would be the thing that would stop this girl? What would possibly stop her in her tracks? And who would have known it would be a haircut? All she needed to do to derail her career was cut off her hair. Um, so, yeah, I suppose we should just get right into it. Uh, so, Russell and Katie dated from, well, they started dating in September of 2009. They got engaged in December of that same year. A real hot and heavy kind of Harlequin romance. It was super fast, super quick. Just like, bada bang, bada boom. Let's meet. Let's get married, which are my favorite, typically. Um, they got married on October 23rd of 2010. They separated in December of 2011 and they were officially divorced in July of 2012. Uh, Katie met Russell while she was filming a cameo in his film, Get Him to the Greek. And they started dating pretty shortly after again. I'm sorry, after he hosted the VMAs a second time. And, uh, you know, they both dated during these very transitional periods in their careers. You know, Katie had just sort of taken that swing on the pe- the pendulum of going from like being just a regular pop star that had a couple really big hit songs in the summer to sort of like, and I think at that time, maybe being unsure of where her career would go or like what her image was, what the longevity of her career would be. Like we were still sort of sort of unsure of Katy Perry. She hadn't released any sort of substantial pop music in the sense of like they were just fun flash in the pan like summer pop songs you know like obviously i kissed a girl is like an iconic pop song that everybody i mean will definitely kind of like defines the year that it came out for sure um but there's no substance to it and there we were still sort of unaware of what katie Perry would be and then during this time she had taken that swing from that to like being considered one of the queens of pop you know, she had really positioned herself as somebody who was in the for- forefront of pop music at that time. Um, and then with Russell, I mean, his U.S. career had just taken off. We had just sort of figured out who he was. We were just still sort of getting to know who Russell Brand was. And, you know, his career was uh, at its beginning periods. He was still... I think sort of like trapped in this weird, like Russell brand character. And I appreciate Russell brand a lot more now that he's sort of stripped that away. And, you know, instead of just being like a gross douchebag with stupid hair, like he's really sort of transitioned into this, like, I wouldn't really say so much of like a self-help person, but a very reflective, honest comedian whose, whose comedy at one time 
was like silly shock comedy and now it's more geared towards like speaking unspoken truths i guess you should say and like actually sort of like getting to the core of things that are important like politically and you know with drug issues and just with pop culture in general so again i think that i have some weird crush on russell brand like after reading this and then i always noticed that i like <laughs> like with a person that i maybe didn't have as much interest in before i started recording the episode or like i thought that i liked them in a very specific way i always notice when i go back and look at my google searches when i start to get on like a tangent where i'm like i need to know more things get they take a weird turn and with russell brand i'm not going to tell you the stuff that i google searched but things took a weird turn right i had to get back on track we had taken a weird sort of left turn. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. Um, v- and by the way, like, it is also very strange that it, we haven't even really known Russell Brand that long in this country. Figuratively, I mean, in comparison to how long he was famous in the UK, I mean, when he hosted the VMAs, the whole sort of like running gag centered around the promos was that none of us knew who he was. If you remember him sitting in that room with Britney, and that was supposed to be like her big comeback year, and she had no idea who he was, and she was asking, he was asking her his name, and she couldn't say it. Like, none of us knew who he was. I remember watching those promos and being like, who the fuck is this weird Englishman with like tattered hair? Like, he has like Kramer hair. Um, as far as this relationship, Russell apparently ended the marriage via text message and didn't speak to Katie for some time after they broke up. Um, and Katie admitted to feeling uh, suicidal after she divorced Russell, which we'll get into. She actually wrote a song about it. And, you know, I think that it goes without saying. I mean, if you follow Katy Perry's career and her relationship timeline, like, she's pretty unlucky in love. She's dated a lot of people for short periods of time. And she's somebody who, like, will will revisit relationships. Um, but she's shown this pattern of, like, impulsiveness when it comes to you know, who she decides to hook up with. And she gets really hot and heavy really fast. She wastes no time. You know, she's also dated her fair share of men that have addiction issues, which makes me wonder, like, what weird thing in her childhood that that's tied to. Like, she's dated multiple men, not just with, like, you know, slight issues of addiction where, like, they have dabbled Like, she dates men that are literally, like, near death or have had drug issues and, like, battled them, but, like, still struggle. Like, she really, 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 I mean, one of her boyfriends did pass away from, like, drug, I mean, she's, like, so I wonder, like, what that's about. Um, I also, by the way, have, as a complete side note, I have this Erica Jane theory about Katy Perry. I, by the way, just have to say that I'm so obsessed with the fact that Katy, or that, uh, Erica Jane now exists in the world because now I have like this very specific like name that I can call people like this and it just makes sense to people who know who Erica Jane is like Katy Perry is an Erica Jane like she's two people and I think the the battle of those two people has shown itself in the past year or so you know what I mean like it's taken some time but pretending to be this Katy Perry character obviously took its toll on Catherine Hudson, the person that she has been trying to sort of like suffocate for the past 10 years that we've known her. And I always find that really interesting when a person who has these like dual identities struggles with them over time. 
And I think in her case, it's actually one of the most interesting cases of that where like she achieved all this fame of like pretending to be this thing that she's not. And you can't like sustain that for too long. You know what I mean? Like, I always wonder that about Erica Jane, like is Erica Jane one day going to be like, fuck, I'm like so sick of pretending to be this woman. Not that I think that Erica Jane is like faking it, but she's playing a character. Like Erica Jane is a cartoon that she created. But I also think maybe that has to do with the fact that Erica Jane is a full-blown fucking full-fledged woman. You know, she's an adult grown-ass woman. She's not like some young girl out being influenced by the music industry and like being told to be certain things. So I guess that would be a difference. That just answered my own question. Well, you guys, that was episode 38 of the <laughs> Um, <laughs> by the way, like just expect a lot of psychotic rambling during this episode. I haven't recorded by myself in a long time and I can already see myself starting to slip. Um, I should have just named this podcast psychotic ramblings, honestly, because that's what it is. It's psychotic ramblings from Google. Um, so I think we all know by now that Katy Perry was born Catherine Hudson. She was raised in a very religious household. Her parents are born again Christians and you know, they, for a majority of her life, she, uh, spent time just sort of traveling around the world from place to place, opening churches with her parents and like standing outside like Best Buys and handing people pamphlets. And, you know, she was like one of those Jesus camp Christians. You know, we've all heard the stories about how her mom wouldn't let her eat Lucky Charms and they, you know, weren't allowed to use the word devil in the house. Like they couldn't eat devil eggs. They were called angel eggs. And, you know, they weren't allowed to use the dirt devil vacuum in their house. It was banned, which like, by the way, in reading that, I love that her mom like had banned a specific vacuum cleaner for her teenage daughter. Like as if that was her concern at the time, she's like trying to figure out what a fucking period is because she's basically like Carrie and (laughs) her mom (laughs) has banned her from using a dirt devil in the house like (laughs) i wish my mom would have banned me from using vacuums as a teenager um sorry that was rude i got a a snapchat um so she was raised thinking that places like planned parenthood were abortion clinics and like just like full on on evangelical like psychotic thought processes like completely delusional you know what i mean like she would have been the little girl who stands outside um, an abortion clinic with like a glittered, like painted sign about like killing babies. You know what I mean? Um, she told Vanity Fair, like sort of during the beginning period of her career, she said, um, I was always scared I was going to get bombed when I was there at uh, Planned Parenthood. I didn't know that it wasn't. She said, I didn't know it was more than that that it was for women with their, in their needs. I didn't have ins- I didn't have insurance, so I had to go there to learn about birth control. Otherwise, like she literally wouldn't have known. Um and let me take a look here. So, as I said before, I like equate her mom to Carrie's mom. Like I just think that she is a fucking psychopath and like I think that they've come to some sort of like meeting of the minds later in life where like now they're like cool with each other or whatever but like Katy Perry's mom is a fucking psychopath and so is her dad like these are like the kind of the kind of parents that abuse their kids to the point of being like suicidal you know what I mean like they're absolutely insane and I picture her 
Like, she's the kind of woman that I picture literally coming home like Carrie's mom, like beating her with a Bible, like locking her in a broom closet and all this kind of weird shit because she's like going through puberty or like growing boobs or like asking what her period is. Like, that's the kind of woman that this 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 lady is. Um, Katie also listens strictly at that time to religious and gospel music. So like nothing secular. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the documentary Jesus Camp, but like if you're listening to this, you probably have. Katie literally grew up as one of those kids that like <laughs> she would walk up to strangers and ask them if they were prepared to like burn an eternal death because their skirt was like above their ankle bone. You know what I mean? Like, and I, it's so crazy to imagine that the same girl who like later in life was like known for having big giant boobs and like bouncing them around and putting cupcakes on them is the same woman who as a child would walk up to women and say, are you prepared to burn an eternal death? Cause your ankles are showing cause it's not Christian and you are secular. Uh, <laughs> like it's just insane. Um, she learned about secular music through sneaking CDs. Uh, she said that in her sort of like Christian camps and stuff that her and the kids would trade CDs like drugs. Like they would pass the CDs around and like learn about, you know, pop music, like learn about like early 2000s and 90s pop music and like rock music through like the underground trading of albums. And <laughs> I think that's so funny to imagine a bunch of Christian kids like passing CDs through the, like passing like a, a Chumbawamba CD through the hallway and like sneaking it in their bag. Um, and she also would sneak MTV when her parents weren't home to monitor what they were watching. Um, she was introduced to the music industry as this like sort of folk gospel singer. And she was discovered by a guy named Steve Thomas. And I believe, I believe it was his girlfriend. Maybe not. Uh, her name was Jessica Knapp. And these were two like rock artists, singer songwriters that, um, you know, they discovered her and were kind of like helping groom her. They were kind of helping her learn how to play guitar, how to write music. And at that time, she was studying at the Italian opera or she was studying Italian opera at the Music Academy of uh, of the West in Santa Barbara. Um and she was just kind of like figuring out who she was as an artist, which at that time she wanted to be like an Amy Grant. You know what I mean? She wanted to like release like folky Christian music that would help brainwash people. <laughs> she released her first album in March of 2001 under her former name. And this makes me laugh really hard too, because the album sold 200 copies and 200 is such a specific a specifically low number, like to the point that, you know, everyone who purchased it was from her church. And I just like, love that. And like 160 of those people, literally, she probably like either knew or like were from her family. And then the other, the other 40 was just like her parents, like maxing out the family credit card to purchase more. Like, you know what I mean? It's 200 copies. It's a specific number. And I love that. I love that in her, like biography, it will always say that her first album sold 200 copies. Um, production on Katie's first album was halted and uh, she made the decision at that point to start performing secular music. So she had drank the Kool-Aid. The devil had gotten into bones. You feel me? And at 17, she moved to LA and started working with the music, uh, with music producer Glenn Ballard. Um, she also went through this whole name change thing where, she started off as Catherine Perry, 
she was like fearful that people would think she was Kate Hudson, um, which like is also one of my fears as well, always through life. And she changed that then to Katy Perry, which Perry is her mother's maiden name. So that just stuck. And, you know, during this period, Katy was literally signed and dropped to like 20 different music labels. Uh, she was first signed to Glenn Ballard's label Java, which was an affiliate of Def Jam. And then she acquired a relationship at that point with like Dr. Luke and The Matrix and Scott Cutler um, and Cara Diaguardi. Dio- I can never say this one thing. Cara Diaguardi, which, by the way, is responsible for so many fucking pop songs that I love. Like, she's so underrated as like an important figure in the music industry. And I always thought she was a really good American Idol judge. And if you go back and watch on YouTube, her, the times that Katy Perry, like, guest hosted American Idol, which I guess they'll have to show these clips in the new season. Um, they were, like, the pre-Mariah and Nikki. Like, their fights were legendary. They were iconic. Katy was such a fucking bitch. And I loved it. Um, so she was dropped two years later from that right after finishing, actually right before finishing her album. So she spent two years working on all this music and then they decided not to go with it and none of the music belonged to her. So then she was signed to a label called Taxi Music that had a couple, um, they ended up placing her on a couple soundtracks. And this was like the introduction, the introduction to like mid 2000s, like, not really sure of her sound, but possibly like this knockoff, like Lily Allen, Katy Perry, where like she was a, she was like strumming a guitar and like wrote like kitschy, sort of quirky songs that had like silly lyrics, but were like edgy or whatever. Again, like just like a Lily Allen wannabe. Uh, and during this time, she was featured on the soundtrack for Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. She also recorded backing vocals for Mick Jagger and P.O.D., and she also appeared in the music video for the Gym Class Heroes single, Cupid's Chokehold, which at the time she was also dating the lead singer, Travis McCoy. I honestly don't want to get too deep into this because I could do an entire episode on her and Travis. It's like very fucking interesting. Um, let me just say this. So during my Warped Tour days in high school, when I was obsessed with Travis and literally all the bands that were signed to uh, Fueled by Raymond... I was sexually attracted to him in a way that was uncomfortable. Like I would literally create these like tween, like gay harlequin, like like <laughs> these like fan fiction moments in my head between him and the lead singer of this other band that I used to love called The Academy Is. And I don't know, like this is by the way, this is like falling into a weird wormhole wormhole, but like they were best friends. They were extremely affectionate with each other in a way that I wasn't used to seeing straight men act. And, you know, like they would hold each other on stage for 10 minutes when they performed like each other's hits. And, you know, for a uh, that was really damaging for a 14 year old me who I was I would look at them and be like, oh, so that's they're dating. That means they're in love. He just placed his hand on his hip bone. They are having sex. That's amazing. I love gay sex. Gay. Like, that was my thought process. So, like, very damaging, but also very formative. And not much has changed. Um, but anyway, so Katie wrote a song, actually, about about Travis called Circle the Drain on her Teenage Dream album. 
about his drug addiction. By the way, very Taylor Swift of her. And uh, I just like want to read you a morsel of the lyrics if I could. You know that I love a, a, a scathing lyric. I love to dissect a scathing lyric. There's like nothing I love more. And um, if you've never heard the song, so it goes, this is the last time you say after the last line you break. It's not even a holiday. There's nothing to celebrate. You give a hundred reasons why and say you're really going to try. If I had a nickel for every time I'd own the bank. I thought that I was the exception. I thought I could rewrite your addiction. You could have been the greatest, but you'd rather get wasted. You fall asleep during foreplay because the pills you take are more your forte. And I'm not sticking around to watch you go down. I want to be your lover, not your fucking mother. Can't be your savior. I don't have the power. I'm not going to stay and watch you circle the drain. Um, and then <laughs> the reason that I wanted to read that is because I thought this was really funny. So when he was asked about it, about like what he thought about the song, he said, I heard you put out a song that's about me or something or some old habits or whatever that I used to have. And I took it like this. I'm just stoked that Katy Perry finally decided to release a song with some substance. So good for her. Shade. All tea, all shade. Um, and then in 2007, Katy was assi- or was she was signed to Capitol Records, and she was then at that point like paired with Dr. Luke to help figure out what her sound would be. Um, at that time too, also like she had written sort of like a lot of the songs that kind of helped like start her career really, but the thing was like she still wasn't really like she. This is a girl who had just learned what a lot of like quote secular music even sounded like you know what i mean so i would imagine as a young girl who grew up in this really christian household you know moved out of her house and she was 17 to make it as a star was extremely sheltered not even that many years later was like you know trying to help fucking bomb planned parenthood with her parents like, I can't even really imagine what that experience must have been like or what she was like to record with. This, like, sheltered, just, I don't know, this, like, sheltered Jesus camp little pre-psychotic girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who was just, like, eager to learn. Um, so during that time with Dr. Lou, she wrote, I Kissed a Girl in Hot and Cold. And the label started this campaign um, to basically, you know, get her music out there and finally introduce her into the world. And people started really talking about her for the first time. I mean, she, her first digital single was called You're So Gay, and it came out in November of 2007. And the song was actually really introduced to the world through Madonna, because Madonna had said in a radio interview that it was her favorite song at the time. And I mean, You're So Gay was also extremely controversial. So I think that that's why a lot of people like had Katy Perry you know, on their mind or that she was somebody that people were talking about. First of all, she released a song called You're So Gay, which is like, again, I feel like a lot of this has to do with the fact that this girl is like just learning what's appropriate and not appropriate. She probably thought this was so fucking funny and edgy and cool, especially in comparison to what she probably thought of gay people before moving to LA. Um, Obviously, LGBT groups were really upset about the song. And um, all music said in a review of the song that the lyrics were gay bashing. A lot of other music groups said that she was like trying to use, um, you know, homophobic catchphrases to like sell records. I mean, it was a it was a bad look, but it got people talking. 
And by the way, we can end the debate. Like the song is insanely homophobic, but all of the lyrics of that song are so insane and damaging. And like, I mean, especially listening to it now where she names all these like sort of gay stereotypes and is like making fun of her boyfriend because he is, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like there's no debate in 2018. You guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. You gotta be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So, go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate, and then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast, you'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week. You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast. Um, you'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com and we'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.